Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Welcome back. Hour number two and the final one for another week. And uh, coming up here in just a few minutes, we'll look forward to doing a little road tripping with Bob and Mark, tying things into college football, which makes sense. As you listen to this program this Saturday morning, uh, we'll have Cougar football coming up tonight. The kickoff happens uh, 8.15, I think, is the official time. And so pregame will come your way about 6 o'clock. Not only the beginning of uh, football season for BYU, but uh, first of the Big 12 era, which makes it pretty exciting. Uh, And so we look forward to bringing you all the coverage. Then don't forget, Sunday, we've got special programming here on KSL with something called First and 12, as uh, Mitch and Matt, and I think Alex Carey is also going to be joining in for two hours of a look at uh, each week's Big 12 football games and how things fit into the conference, which is a luxury to be able to talk about with BYU right now because they've been independent with no conference right. play for a decade. So anyway, we look forward to all of that coming up. And Roger Eggett will join us from Bear River Lodge. Uh, we'll Hopefully talk this week mostly about what's happening up at uh, Bear River Lodge and with Trax Power Sports. Last week we were focused on the fact that he was back in Maui That's right. and that his house had survived, which was Man. great news. He feels uh, uh, lucky about that, but a little guilty about that. Mm. Uh, you know, when you talk about just luck by the way the wind blows or the fire moves, and uh, they were able to avoid it just above the Lahaina, the town of Lahaina. So... Uh, we'll look forward to talking with Roger coming up. Sponsor of this program, of course, Trax Power Sports and Bear River Lodge. Right now, we are looking forward to talking with our Upland Game Coordinator, and that is uh, Heather Talley, who's on the line with us. It is that time of year, isn't it, Heather? It sure is. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. What exactly kicks off this weekend? So this weekend, we will look at some great dove hunting. And, of course, you do want to hurry and get on that because as soon as we get nighttime temperatures dropping below the 50s and a shorter photo period with uh, shorter days, those doves are going to go ahead and migrate out. Mm -hmm. But we will have the doves. Rabbits are going to start, snowshoe hare and cottontail rabbits. And then, of course, a bunch of grouse species, dusky, rust, and white-tailed ptarmigan. Yeah. All right. Uh, Russ, have you ever done dove hunting? I've, I have. I've done have. it a couple been, of times in my life. It's been many years yeah. out in the West Mojave, East Mojave. Uh, yeah. And did you love it? Yeah, we had a blast. Literally a blast. Yeah. You got to use the twelve. <laughs> you got to use the twelve gauge because those things are so move yeah, around so quickly. Oh, you'd have no so chance fast. at all of hitting them yeah. if you didn't use a twelve and, gauge. And we didn't eat any of them, but there was a family there that we would cease fire for a few minutes. They'd run out and grab them all and take them back and start cooking. Really? Well, yeah. I'll tell you this: growing up in uh, Pocatello, Idaho, Heather, I I went out a couple of times with uh, a friend and his dad who were avid hunters of anything and everything. And they cooked up quite a feast. Now, the breast meat on a dove, as you might imagine, is like toothpick size. 
if anything. But yeah. if you get enough of those, they had a recipe where they uh. wrapped them in, I think, bacon, if I remember right, and they bring out a full plate full of these things. It wow. really is an entertaining hunt and good eating, too. Little tiny pieces of bacon. Yeah. Tie them in a little bow. Tie them in a little bow. <laughs> it is fun for people that haven't yeah. done it, isn't it, Heather? Absolutely. It's a really great time. And it's so funny that you should bring up, um, you know, how small the breast meat is on those doves and everything because we do have an appetizer slam is one of our upland game slams. (laughs) And that's if you harvest a morning dove, California quail and gambled quail during their season. So, you know, if people are interested in those slams, go ahead and sign up. Your money goes Mm. towards it's not very much money and it goes towards habitat improvement. And then you get a cool coin from us. So yeah, that's you know. awesome. I guess they frown on hunting in the neighborhood, but yeah, you wouldn't I want to be trail everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, t- talk to me about the uh, kinds of habitat where you find doves. For the most part, I know they're available all over the state, aren't they? Yeah, they have a pretty wide distribution for morning doves, especially you know, and not to be confused with Eurasian collar doves. Those can be taken any time of the year, so go ahead and yeah, get those out of here anytime. Yeah. But for for morning doves, they are found near agricultural fields, wheat, safflower, sunflower fields. They really like. So um, I, I know a bunch of us are planning on going out on Friday and uh, trying our hand in some sunflower patches out mm. by the Pavant WMA that's in the southwestern part of the state. Oh, wow. But, yeah, so you and white-winged doves also are more rare, but you can find them in southwest areas of the state as well. So those agriculture places are good to look, but you want to get some written permission before getting on those properties. You mentioned the pigeon uh, season also opens. It's a fairly short one. It's only a couple of weeks, isn't it? Bandtail pigeon. Yep, it's only a couple weeks. So I think that that's just through the 14th, I believe, of September this year. So you definitely want to get on that as well. And they're also migratory birds. So don't forget for those um, white-winged morning dove and bandtail pigeon, don't forget to get your hip number for those as well. Yeah, something to keep in mind. And then a longer season, but uh, I would think a little tougher hunt or tougher to find would be the uh, cottontail rabbit season that kicks off this weekend. Yeah, you know, usually rabbits are so much easier to find and people have a lot of success with them when they're just first starting out with hunting. But they have been kind of in a low end of their population cycle for the last couple of years. We did have that rabbit hemorrhagic disease that hit us a couple of years ago. And then we have had some of those drought years. So we are hoping to see an increase this year due to all those monsoon rains that we got that should be good for our brood production for our bird species as well. We were going to talk about the impact that all of the precipitation we got, and certainly the snowfall that stuck around. Some of it's still up there, by the way. Yeah. Uh, in in some of the corners around Alta, you'll still find them. And our, our wildflowers were slow to come out by a month or six weeks. Did that affect uh, the populations? I would think so. You know, especially in the northern region, we did notice that were some areas in the northern and central region where we had you know, there were definitely impacts to the sharp tail in the northern and then sage grouse and some of our forest grouse as well probably took a hit. Definitely ptarmigan and those high uinas without really heavy snowfall. So we know that some of those populations are going to be a little bit lower. But the upside to that is that we should have such great brood rearing production. I mean, you've probably seen it. There's, you know, grasshoppers everywhere. There's lots of those mesic areas and riparian areas for them to raise their chicks. So we are hoping to see a good, you know, rebound this year from that great brood production. All right. So a little bit of silver lining there. 
Um, Snowshoe Hairs also kicks off this weekend. That one you got to work a little harder for. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Snowshoe Hair populations are, you know, they're kind of been trending the same as Cotton Hill so far, but they can be found just in those high elevation forest areas with conifer and aspen trees. So central Utah, check out Nebo, Wasatch, Tentic, and Manti areas. And then in southern, you can look at the Tusher Mountains, Monroe, and Fish Lake areas. And we have a small population of those in the Boulder Mountains. So they are those higher elevation um, species for sure. Tell you what I love about Upland Game is, uh, and Russ, you can attest to this because you brought up uh, your kids doing these uh, hunts early in the season. But it is sort of a gateway for the youth to find a love for hunting and something they can do with uh, their dad, their mom, their uncle, whoever it happens to be. Maybe Grandpa takes them out. I doubt it. <laughs> Grandpa doesn't want Grandpa to do that much. No, I do. I do. A lot on the pheasant hunt. That's when Grandpa likes to get yeah. involved because yeah. they remember the heyday of pheasants back yeah. in here. So we do have a lot of stocking for those later on in the year that that they can get involved with that. Yeah, the, I, I just saw the list of Upland Game Youth hunts: uh, the chucker and the partridge coming up uh, September twenty third through the twenty fifth, and then later in October, toward the end of October, actually, quail and uh, and pheasant. Tell our listeners yep. in the final. Uh, minute or so we have here about the upland game slam the upland game slam is just that you know we kind of referenced a little bit earlier but it has it's something that you pay for ten dollars for hunters 17 or younger twenty dollars for hunters that are 18 and older and once you enroll in that you just look at the different list of slams we have on our website at wildlife.utah.gov and once you finish a slam, which can be as easy as your very first any legal upland game species in Utah, or it might be more convoluted like a, um, you know, an ultimate slam, which is harvesting one of each of the 15 different upland game species. And that one can be completed over multiple years. And every time you complete one of those slams, you get a coin from us after the season's entered and you've uploaded photos to show us the picture of your slam completion. Yeah, nice. ends up being a nice uh, project. Yeah. Almost like, and I've shared this before, uh, compared it to uh, like a scout project or something yeah. where you get a merit badge that goes along the way and you just start work, kind of fun, working huh? to collect yeah. them all. Yeah, Heather, you do such a great yeah. job. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You guys have a great time. All Thanks, right. Heather. Heather Talley is our uh, Upland Game Coordinator for the Division of Wildlife Resources. We'll take another break. We'll do a little road trip. And when the boys come back, Bob and Mark right around the corner. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. It is that time of the morning when we get ready to do a little road tripping. It's Road Trippin' with Bob and Mark.com. On the road again. 
And actually, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but Bob's already on the road. He's been there for, what, 10 days or something? He's on a long haul. Well, when he's done with his trip, it'll be uh, 10 or 12 days. Yes, I think he's he's headed somewhere up into the northern states, up to South Dakota. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is an extended uh, journey. All right, last week we started this uh, effort as we uh, head into this college football weekend. And really, I know there's been games already, uh, but uh, it all really gets underway in earnest this week. We concentrated on Utah and BYU you know, just focusing on things you can do around your favorite uh, football program. We thought Weber State and Utah State should get some equal love here. So let's start around uh, Weber State, who by the time this airs will have already played their game. So we wish them good luck if they haven't already had it. Um, and Utah State will kick off later today as you listen to this on Saturday. But where are you going to head to at Weber State or around Weber State? Well, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind, one of the premier attractions up that Ogden Way is Hill Aerospace Museum, and uh, that's always, I think, a must-do for anybody that's going up that direction. One place I really like is the Eccles Dinosaur Park up on the east side, up in the east bench, and surprisingly, there is a fun place right across the street from there called Rainbow Gardens. If you've got shoppers in the family, that's a cool place. That's a cool shopping uh, venue, very unique boutique shops, and it's right across from Eccles dinosaur park well thanks for the warning i'll make sure my wife does not go there (laughs) (laughs) for a minute honey you you bring up the aerospace museum i had had not done that until just a couple of years ago and we had friends that were coming in from california that uh had never been to this part of the state and so we made it part of our list and i think we actually did it on one of our tours didn't we on our uh highway 89 yeah i was off those couple of days that's right i didn't see that stuff but, uh, man, what a treat. Yeah. And there is so much more in there than you would know just by passing by on the freeway. So I would hope people would take you up on that. Uh, other museums, though, uh, there's uh, if you're a railroader, there's also some fun things yeah. to see. The Utah State Railroad Museum's right there in, in, in Ogden. The John R. Browning Museum, of, you know, the rifle and, and gun museum is there. And they've got a children's museum called the Treehouse Children's Museum. Of course, another thing that's great about downtown Ogden is the Union Station and 25th Street. You know, that 25th Street's got this sordid history, but now it's all these beautiful shops and restaurants. And, and it's a, if, you're, if you're into vinyl records, they've got a record store there, <laughs> vinyl record store. They do. Uh, yeah, it is like walking back in time. The next one on your list, the iFly and Flowrider, we've actually been there and uh, did a, uh, recorded some interviews with those folks. That's a lot of fun. Just flat-out fun. I've done both of those as well, and so challenging your surfing ability or, or your, your, uh, your flying ability if you're a parachuter, then those are great things to try. Well, I would just recommend, though, if you're going to do the iFly, make sure you've worked on your core strength before yeah. you get there because <laughs> it, it looks like it's easy floating on air, but, uh, man, it's a workout, and you'll find muscles you haven't used in a while uh, if you get in there. And on the surfing Ban all cameras from the building. (laughs) (laughs) Either that or get paid on the back end for the viral hits that you're going to get along the way. Ogden Canyon, of course, is right there with so many things. All right, Utah State, a little farther up north into Cache Valley. This is fun. So, you know, if you're a fisherman, you got the Bear River starts up that way, and you've got Cutler Reservoir for some bass and other fish up there. And then, you know, Logan Canyon, in Logan Canyon is just significant. You've got Beaver Mountain. 
ski and summer resort. You got White Pine Lake up there, which I have never been to, but boy, it looks beautiful on the map. And Bear Lake, just at the end of that canyon. So those are a couple of good things going east from Logan. Yeah, and uh, Becky and I have a couple of times in our life just gotten on the motorcycle and taken a day ride uh, over the um, Monte Cristo. Uh, area where people snowmobile in the winter and headed over to Bear Lake, had lunch or a nice dinner, and then headed back. It's a beautiful drive. Always want those raspberry shakes if they're still serving them up in the fall, right? Yeah. And uh, if you're a member of the faith, uh, LDS Temple and Tabernacle are up there, and it's one of the most beautiful, I think, anywhere in the state of Utah. Right, and that Tabernacle will have tours all through September at least, and they're open daily, so that's just a, a good thing to go through. We always like to talk about Hardware Ranch as a destination. That's where the elk start to come down in the late fall. And they say around the end of November, so it might be the end of the season. But if you can catch the that congregation of elk that are coming in out of the mountains, they say they come from hundreds of miles away just to spend the winter at Hardware Ranch. Yeah, we made the drive right past the gate last week on our motorcycle with some friends uh, and enjoyed it before we stopped and had a nice lunch. Wasn't a lot of activity, but some people unloading ATVs and side-by-sides up there in that area. And the America West Heritage Center, is that all the time, or is it just uh, the bigger activities happening in the fall? Because uh, they have a mountain man rendezvous up there that's really unbelievable. It's open daily, but I I think there might be some specific hours in winter time, of course. But it's just a great view of how things were in the old American West, especially if you were a mountain man or settling the area in the old pioneer days of, of Cache Valley, it's a great place to go visit. Yeah, if you haven't had the opportunity to be up there when they're doing the uh, mountain man stuff and everybody in their period clothing, uh, some of those folks take it pretty serious. Like they don't look like, <laughs> like they, don't look like they sh- have showered in a few days just to make it smell right. Uh, those are great recommendations. And, of course, uh, tis the season for football. I know as a BYU fan... You're excited. Uh, that game's coming up tonight. I'll remind everybody again, we'll have pregame at 6, and then uh, they'll kick things off not just for the season, but for the Big 12 era down at Lavelle Edwards Stadium against Sam Houston. All right, buddy, and before we let you go, congratulations, Grandpa. Hey, thank you. That's uh, a new little kid just born just last night, so we're excited. Any names yet? Cameron. Cameron. And he's a he's a little beautiful 7-pound, seven 7-ounce, uh, future football player. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, of course, for BYU, right? He's going to be in the family, right? So, uh, we'll do what we can do, but, you know, if he can ever play, he'll go where he wants to go. There you go. All right, Mark Wade. If you want more information, just go road tripping. Road tripping with Bob and Mark.com. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're talking survival skills. How do you get them? We're going to find you a resource that might help. And we'll get you a news update next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, 
the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.